0: and welcome to Thrive and Survive, a podcast about creatives who are trying to navigate how to balance their art, money, friends, family, and anything else that comes their way. We'll be talking about their motivation, mindset, creative process, and the challenges that they face while they focus on their artistic goals. I'm Stacey Peterson, and my guest today is event planner and stylist, Clara Jones. We talk about how her creative passions have shifted over time, the steps she took to launch her business and how she has adjusted to increasing competition in her industry. Let's do it. Okay, well, I am zooming today with Clara Jones, who is the owner and creative director of Clara's house. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really thrilled to be on here. My first official podcast. So, yeah, I'm excited. Even a little bit nervous, actually. Yeah, (laughs) don't worry. We'll have a good time chatting.
0: Now, I want to ask straight away from my research into you. um, It says that you used to work in environmental science and decided you're going to stop that kind of path of your career and move into what you're doing now. Um, event styling and floristry. Would you be able to tell me what that moment was like, where you made that decision, and what kind of the lead up was like before you made that jump from to two t- kind of totally different paths?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, basically, I did environmental science at uni, and it took me. A- five years to finish my degree because I faffed around a little bit. I um, failed a few subjects. I deferred for a year. I was basically stalling because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I finished uni. I um, then went traveling for a year and went overseas just to kind of find myself a little bit. Came back, broke, 50 bucks in the bank, (laughs) Uh, lived at mum's, kind of just on my ass basically and then I thought okay so that was I was about 28 then I thought okay I probably need to get a bit of a career now so I then embarked on environmental science career I had the degree I thought okay I've got to grow up now Uh, I then worked in the industry for about five years so I had a couple of different um, careers so I worked in mining um, briefly sold my soul out in the mines as an environmental coordinator um, so basically, keeping an eye on all the contractors um, on a big um, project out west um, in Broome, and then I um, came back to the Gold Coast and worked SEQ Water for about three years. So that was um, out at Hins Dam. I had a few different roles out there in the environmental team, and um, yeah, it was it was a great experience. I I just never loved the industry. Uh, I felt like it was all for a good cause and it was great career, great money. I felt like um, I did my apprenticeship. I saved to buy a house. I I sort of did all that adulting stuff. (laughs) And then I just, I just, had this calling inside of me I've always been a really creative person so I would always make presents for my friends I consider myself a serial crafter so any opportunity to make stuff whether it be sewing a cushion or making a a lampshade or just doing something creative crafty I just sort of had this drive and uh I always just sort of Put it aside um as just like a hobby thing you know I was just like well I can never make money from this and um, um I also had a little side hustle many things out of doilies <laughs> so I created a little label yeah I'd make these beautiful dresses hand sew them out of doilies it was called I dream of doilies <laughs> It wasn't really a viable business. It was just like a little fun project. I had a Facebook page and I took a few custom orders, but it was nothing that I really... So I'd been dabbling in this creative space for ages and then I it got to the point where I was sort of attending a lot of um, events, um, just like little events on the Gold Coast, like Soul Sister Circle, um, all about sort of women just doing their own thing And I would actually attend them and leave feeling a little bit crappy because I just was like, well, I want to be that person. I want to be doing my thing. Like I was really struggling, I guess, in my career. Mm -hmm. I was probably would say a little bit depressed um, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, was going to work nine to five uh, and I would just dread it. Um, I I was really like you know, I'd wake up going, can I chuck a sickie today? You know, it was, it was a horrible feeling yeah. and I just felt like I needed to have more gratitude for the job that I had and the income that I had, but I just, it did not light me up and I felt like I was surrounded by a lot of people that it was dead wood, I guess. Like <laughs> there was, you know, people that just didn't have dreams and goals and i felt felt like I just needed to yeah just just get on the path that I needed to be on I suppose and tap into that creative energy that was just bubbling away inside of me but there was like there was a what and a how it was all just like muddled around so but I had this desire I guess so I guess how it all started was um just some real hard conversations with my partner so I'm, I'm super grateful to have such an amazing supportive partner who uh, is an entrepreneur himself he's had uh, multiple businesses over the years uh, and he's um, built up some amazing empires himself so I guess I've had him as, as my number one cheerleader so he had some real hard conversations with me one day and, and I was at this sort of crossroads where I was like no I'm gonna go and study psychology (laughs) 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 because I needed an out so I needed something that was going to get me out of my current career Um, and also there was that security blanket of finance and and this is the money that I've been earning and I can't step away from that because I'm in my comfort zone so uh, he basically sat me down and said what is the number one thing you love to do? And I said, make stuff, be creative, you know, and he's like, there it is. And I was like, oh, but I can't, I started making up these excuses. I can't Mm. make a career from that. I can't. And basically, yeah, I just, it was like the penny dropped. No, this is it. It's not running away and doing psychology, although I was interested in psychology and I would read a lot of self-help books. <laughs> um, I really thought, wow, this is it. This is the penny drop. This is what I need to be doing. And so mm-hmm. that was about four years ago now. Um,
0: and how did you... From that moment, where does one start kind of where you go, I'm going to make stuff um, and be creative and that's my new career path? How how did you kind of structure that
1: moment to then lead to a, a viable business model? So it's funny because I've even done small business courses where you fully sit down, you do a business plan and I was doing those things in the background and so I would finish my full-time job and then I would go and attend like a night course, um, like a TAFE course uh, afterwards. So I was starting to just build and do those little things behind the scenes, still not knowing what exactly. But one thing, I loved a local business here on the Gold Coast, uh, who uh, they're the Craft Parlour and they do awesome creative workshops. And I I love that business because it's something that I am passionate about. I love being creative. So I thought, well, why don't I start doing creative workshops from home because it lights me up and I can share that love with other people. So we came up with the name Clara's House because the business was essentially from my house (laughs) in Corrumbans. So I just started, it all started with putting a few ads up on Gumtree, believe it or not, back then. It was all I almost feels like it was pre-marketplace. So I, I put some cushion making workshops and lampshade lampshade making workshops up on Gumtree. And I also sent a big group message to all my contacts and friends and network on Facebook, it's just saying, hey. I'm thinking about doing these creative workshops. Like what do you guys think about this pricing? Like I'm thinking about doing a lampshade workshop, a cushion workshop, and this is the pricing. And it was almost a plan to kind of market in a sense, but without doing a shameless plug. But it was like this is what I'm thinking about doing. Are you guys, would you like to support me? Without doing a shameless sales plug.
0: Yeah, and did they give kind of, did your network give good advice? Like did that help base your pricing off that kind of post that you made?
1: It did, yeah, because uh, I thought it was fairly reasonable and I, was, I was felt like it was the fair exchange. I priced up the materials and everything so I had to do my homework on what things would cost so I'd have to go out and buy all the lampshades and I'd have to go out and buy the fabric. Uh, so I priced everything out and I also wanted to make sure it was sort of um, competitive with what other people were charging because there's a few people doing those workshops on the Gold Coast. And it was more just um, putting it out there to those people that might have been interested. And I ended up getting a few bites from that. So people were like, oh, my God, I'd love to do that workshop. Can you please let me know? So I would just post the dates and the, the flyer on my personal Facebook page and then I started getting a little bit of momentum. So that was really exciting because I started just going, oh, wow, like I've put it out there and then I remember getting my first Cushion client on Gumtree. It uh, was it was a one on one lesson, so I think I was charging like forty five dollars. Make your own cushion. Bring your own fabric. Come and sew on my deck in Currumbin. And I remember the first person booked in, and I was so nervous. And I started googling how to make a cushion to cover because <laughs> I knew how to make it, but it was just teaching somebody else. And I remember, totally oh god, nasty. I'm so nervous. This Two is different getting schools, me, aren't they? yeah this is getting me out of my comfort zone like I, I'm just faking it till I make it like you know this this client potentially thinks that I'm a professional sewer I know what I'm doing and like don't get me wrong I love my sewing and I know what I'm doing but like to teach somebody else is a, is a different skill altogether So it just started gaining momentum. Um, So I did a cushion making workshop. I had, you know, maybe four or five friends come along and I was starting to just make a little bit of extra cash on the side and then I would do a lampshade workshop and it was just so much fun. Um, I was starting to get some photos. We'd have a little platter of nibbles after. It was just like, wow, this is is what's lighting me up. So I would do my full-time job during the week and just like live for this this weekend event that I would spend all week prepping for. And then, yeah, one thing just started leading to the other. And it was just like everything I'd been reading, every, um, you know, I'd been subscriber to the Collective Magazine, which I'm a huge fan of Lisa Messenger. So uh, I was really just starting to just gain momentum. And all those things that I had been reading about was starting to happen. You know, it was like, you know, start just saying yes to everything. Things will start coming your way. It was just like one thing led to the next, led to the next. So how it ended up morphing into events was it all basically started with a palette, um, a free palette that uh, basically, um, so a part of the workshops that I was doing, I also started running flower crown classes. So mm-hmm. taught myself how to make flower crowns on a YouTube tutorial. And I thought, well, I'll add that into my workshop so, you know, it's an extra thing so for people that are women that are wanting to do hen's parties. And so I then had an opportunity to do a collaboration with some friends of mine. So they were doing a pop-up Pilates brunch session on the beach and then afterwards we were going to do a flower crown class. So I thought, well, perfect. We need to do this on some tables, like on a little picnic setting. So why don't I just... um, you know, make some pallet tables, put some sort of collapsible legs on them so I can fold them up and transport them in the car, and then I'll set up our cute little flower jars on on the pallet tables and set up a little picnic for afterwards to have brunch on and do our flower crown class. So I set, set up the tables um, in Wait, the garden with some... Just to interrupt you for a moment, I'm just curious. You
0: said, I'll just make these pallet tables with collapsible legs. Did you know how to make that already or did you just kind of wing it or that just seems like a very specific skill set to know how to make a table?
1: (laughs) Yeah so I basically did the top part so I I got a pallet secondhand pallet and then I went to Bunnings and I got some extra wood to put in the middle of the where the gaps are and then Luckily enough, I've had a handyman here at home to do a few odd jobs, so I got him to put the legs on. So I can't take full credits of the legs, but he showed me this system of these bolt-like collapsible legs that can just um, collapse down and then back up again on a 45-degree angle. So they're perfect for transporting. So, yeah, I was just like this is I think I'm onto something here because I feel like back in the day... <laughs> This was before the whole picnic tsunami hit the Gold Coast. So this is about sort of three and a half years ago before Mm. everyone started cottoning onto these pallet picnics. So consider myself one of the OGs. (laughs) Uh, So basically I decided to set up this pallet table setting with all the gorgeous flowers in my garden in Corrumbin, which I've got this beautiful backdrop. got some great pictures with Hubby's professional camera. So I just had a little photo shoot. And then from there, I put these pictures up on Gumtree and I can't even remember if I put them up on Marketplace because I feel like Marketplace wasn't thriving back then. And then I just got absolutely inundated with, um, I started to get people wanting to hire it out. Wow. And I was like, so I listed it for $180 and so it was two pallet tables, seven rugs. I just got these pretty average like black and white I look at them now and I vomit black and white uh target rugs and then I had some different colored cushions that I'd sort of acquired and I maybe bought a few as well so I just scattered them around and took took some photos and then up it went and I was like oh I think I'm onto something here I started getting all these people wanting to just pick it up and hire it so they'd come and pick it up pay 180 bucks just put down also a security deposit and then drop it back to me um, they had 48 hours to hire it. And was so that pretty it just
0: immediate from when you posted that um, on Gumtree and Facebook? Was that pretty immediate that people went, I want to hire this, count me in? Yeah, or, oh, it started
1: oh, getting, yeah, like it started getting momentum and all of a sudden it was starting to take bookings. Like, you know, I'd maybe have like every weekend nearly someone was wanting to hire this basic setting out. And then I thought, oh okay, this is gaining momentum and then next thing I know, people wanting me to come and set it up. So I had a Subaru Outback and so I managed to squish it all in. Um, it all fitted in. So I started to then charge a fee to come and set it up for people. And then I by then I started, I had sort of been collecting a few items. So like a part of I guess my business plan without doing an official business plan was that I, I wanted to do Hen's hens parties and baby showers and then that was uh, before I'd even started the picnic concept. So it was just an idea I had the back of my mind and then before I knew it, this this whole little picnic thing started to take off and I was like, oh, okay, there's obviously a need for picnics on the Gold Coast. I mean we've got beautiful weather, we've got amazing beaches and why don't I just keep just rolling with this and then <laughs> next thing I know i obviously start acquiring more stuff I start making more tables because the demand starts to get more and more like okay I've got two settings booked out in the one weekend shit I need to make some more pallet tables so I start just banging away in the garage busting out more tables more tables I think now I've got about surplus of 20 pallet tables sitting there in my garage wow Uh, I've also got a million other types of tables as well because I have obviously been collecting for about three years now So I just started to, yeah, the demand started to get more. So I just was building and um, making more tables according to the demand, buying more rugs, buying more cushions uh, and so starting to reinvest back into the business. And obviously I I still was working at my full-time job so I was able to use Mm. some of that, obviously, my income to support buying uh, a lot of this stuff. And I just wonder at this point
0: where you've got kind of two, two bookings on a weekend, three bookings, were you kind of doing any other marketing activity other than just posting that ad that you can hire this if you would like or was that just naturally building up from that post?
1: Yeah, it was obviously I had my Instagram. So mm-hmm. I'd started up an Instagram um, with obviously when I first started the workshop so I had my Instagram okay. uh, and then it started obviously building momentum but yeah I wasn't doing any advertising I also was luckily lucky enough to in those early stages do a couple's picnic it was actually my first ever couple's picnic because I thought okay well I've got enough stuff to do a couple's picnic so I was uh Booked by an influencer, um, a famous influence on the Gold Coast, Ashley Bynes. So she booked me for a picnic with her hubby down at the beach at Chugan. And obviously she shared that across her platform. And that was incredible. Like, that, I really am grateful for that opportunity because I think I got about a thousand followers overnight. Wow. <laughs> From that opportunity. That was incredible. And I feel like that was back then when Instagram still was like really growing rapidly and, and opportunities like that would have that kind of conversion. Like that definitely doesn't happen now. Yeah, totally. And it's good that, and it's also good people can see the experience instead
0: of, um, you know, kind of be taken on that experience. I'm sure if she shared a video or photos, people can put themselves in that position as well, which just you know ignites everyone's excitement and imagination
1: absolutely yeah and it's that was a pivotal moment I guess for Mm -hmm. me where okay and then the bookings really started rolling in for the couples picnics I had like I had to like do up generic email copy and paste because it was getting like crazy like I think maybe I had 50 Mm -hmm. inquiries or something from it it was incredible so I really was then starting to have to cater to the demand and i I think I was still working in my job uh, for a good six months while I was building this, so it started to get, like, too much. Like, it was getting to the point and obviously I'd been working on a transition plan with my partner and how, you know, I could leave and then would he be able to support me if, you know, the shit hit the fan and, Mm -hmm. you know, like it was such a big scary move and I just needed him to really hold my hand and he was incredible through the whole process and I felt like things were just really gaining momentum. So by the time I did leave, it was knowing that I had this solid thing set up and it was starting to really build momentum because everyone was just gobsmacked at my job. You know, everyone's like security central at those, you know, the government jobs like they're like... Mm -hmm. 100% and they were like you're leaving to do picnics like they just (laughs) didn't understand
0: but I think it's great you have a your partner is so supportive because those when people that you work with or other people in your community are quite risk averse and you're suggesting taking a risk without someone next to you sometimes to go no this is a risk worth taking it can Mm. those comments can accidentally derail you and you're like momentum right if you don't have someone going don't listen to that we've got this that's um
1: that's so great to have that support to take that plunge oh really and he is a risk taker a lot more than me i'm more of a very safe comfortable person like to really stew over my decisions for ages like even when we bought our house like he he's such a risk taker we went for the inspection the day before it went to auction and then we bought it at auction the next day like it was the most craziest Within experience <laughs> And but you know, I really credit him because that you know it was a big risk for me to take that jump and and I honestly have not looked back since and now it's like right. fast forward three and a half years and and I really feel like I have created this incredible <laughs> empire that i'm so blessed um it's it's just kind of it's as I said that momentum has just kept snowballing and snowballing and and now it's like this well oiled machine I have Uh, some casual staff that work for me now. I'm able to support other local businesses. I'm getting some really big events rolling through the door, like with big budgets now. It's not just picnics. You know, I'm starting to obviously do weddings and um, more fancy styled events um, in um, venues. I'm just pinching myself because my little palette sort of project really ended up really paying off for me and obviously I just I'm so just pinch myself still every day I guess it's now just manage managing the other side of it which is the constant um I guess management of your own business which I guess is the other side of it (laughs) and I'm curious in terms
0: of your styling, um, you, like there's quite a specific aesthetic that you go for and you, you head towards. I'm just wondering how that style has changed over the years from when you first started to now and what kind of um, inspires you or um, uh, you base the designing off? Like is there, is there a process that you go through or is it just kind of your natural aesthetic that comes out and creates these pieces?
1: Uh, Well, basically, when I first started, as I said, like I really didn't have a lot of money to invest into the business. So, I was just, as I said, spending money on discounted target rugs and I didn't have a lot of inventory. And obviously, as time has gone on and, and I've been able to reinvest a lot of money back into the business, I have got some really beautiful pieces. So, I'm like on Marketplace hunting for those beautiful pieces like Persian rugs and Turkish rugs and and uh, lots of different styling items that I can bring in to create different uh, themes and also different styles. So I have been curating a lot of different pieces over the years, which have obviously um, built up my inventory to fully fill my garage and under the house Basically, <laughs> so I guess um, I, I guess I, I do like to keep up on top of current trends and also um, what's trending on Pinterest. Um, also, generally keeping my eyes on events and weddings and trends. So, trending at the moment, like from your from
0: your kind of professional point of view, what what the up and coming kind of looks that people might go for just to like get a better understanding of the aesthetic.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it, it It all just depends on the person and that's why I guess I'm blessed with my business because a lot of the time I'm coming up with the style and the design and the theme and they're just going, I want that. Mm. And instead of giving me a brief, they're sort of going off what I've already done and what packages I'm offering because they love that. So I guess for me I feel like what's trending at the moment is like lots of earthy, like neutral tones are really on trend So I'm really loving using lots of like dried palms in my floral styling. I'm really experimenting with that going big and bold on the weekend. I just did this beautiful hanging floral installation, which was coming down from the middle of a marquee. So instead of having a chandelier, it was just this stunning floral kind of angel wing centerpiece. So that was really exciting. That was the first time I, I did one of those and that was like out of my comfort zone. So I guess, in, in having this events business over the years, I have built up my floral skills and it's become a real passion of mine, the floral side of the events, which I feel like is a part of what makes my events really special and beautiful and more luxury. So yeah, I am using um, like, yeah, lots of neutrals and textures. So trying to bring in more textures and and obviously the dried florals are really on trend as well, which are great because we can reuse them so we can, um, you know, um, not have a huge overhead on our floral budget, which is really good. So, yes. just, yeah, I'm always constantly on Pinterest and constantly just trying to keep up with the current trends and also just have my own take on it as well. So mm-hmm. I'm not just a one-trick pony and just pumping out the same thing. I'm always wanting to think outside the norm. Uh, for example, I'm, I'm putting together a Romeo and Juliet style 18th coming up in July, which is super exciting, and I'm getting to curate some custom gold angel wings and things like that are just completely uh, out of my depth but really exciting as well. So I get to work on some really exciting projects that just keep me so nourished creatively Yeah.
0: Is there an aspect of an event that you definitely say yes to or has there ever been things that you've had to say no to because of whatever reason it might not kind of align with the kind of work you do or anything like that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess say no to uh just events that aren't don't align with me so there's mm-hmm. like a particular style that some people are wanting to go for like the the flower wall backdrops with all the balloons and the more that sort of style that's not really what I do mm-hmm. so i always refer them to the people that can help them with that so i guess i have a certain um i guess i have a certain style within that boho realm but it's more of a natural organic sort of style it's not I don't like to use like sort of fakey looking things I don't like to use a lot of disposable things as well so I like to be very eco-friendly and so all uh, my decor on the tables everything is plates everything is washable so we we do do a lot of washing side of things which is pretty hectic but I also like to make sure I'm keeping things very uh, eco-friendly I'm very conscious about that and how and I oh sorry no you go
0: (laughs) I was just going to ask how just you mentioned earlier that kind of when you first started the pop-up picnic type events weren't really happening yet and now they are what how has that changed the competitiveness? Like, is it still quite a? Is it a supportive community of event kind of styles, or do you find everyone has their own spot? Um, what What's that kind of experience been like? Have you had to refine a little what you're offering, uh, or um, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when I first started, I guess I was really, really protective of my baby. I call it because I mm-hmm. felt like not many people were doing picnics or if they were it was more like they were bringing a picnic platter and just putting a rug and a few cushions down no one was really doing palette picnics back when I first started so I do consider myself one of the originals uh, and I was very sensitive about other people doing it at the time because I felt like it sort of was my idea to create these grand masterpieces in the park and then also everyone was admiring them and walking past and and that's how I continued getting more business because it was such incredible advertising doing these beautiful events outside and people were like wow I've got an event coming up and they'd get a business card so that was incredible way of advertising for me but I also was sensitive about other people doing it so I did go through a stage of really having to work through that and also realize no like there's enough work to go around for everybody Uh, we all need to support each other we're all people in you know small businesses um, whether it's a side hustle or not like there's enough room for everyone so it really took me a while to get to that point it really took me a couple of years Um, there was even you know some people that I knew that were quite close in terms of friendship groups that had started their own thing and you know I was really sensitive about that I just had to go through my thing to work on that and then just believing in myself and realizing no like this I'm I'm a really creative person. This this is what I spring out of bed for. I was excited. Like some people couldn't think of anything worse than going and lugging pallets on a weekend. I just could not get out of bed earlier. I was pumped, you know, and and I was making money. Like I was just like, "Wow, well, I'd almost do this for free because it just gives me so much enjoyment, like the thrill yeah. that I would get from setting something up and doing the flowers." And and back then when I started, it was literally sticking some market flowers in a mason jar and now it's like I'm creating these hanging floral installations like it's evolved and it's been a really amazing journey you know these last three and a half years of that evolution like I look back on my styling at when I first started and I'm like oh yuck yeah.
0: <laughs> so now that you've um, all this kind of obviously it's your full-time career now. How do you balance that timing-wise? Given that obviously most events happen outside of your normal business hours, like you've said, on the weekend, um, do you or have you ever kind of struggled with that I'm working now, it's my personal time now, this is family time now, or has it kind of all Mm -hmm. meshed together really nicely?
1: It's definitely taken a long way a long journey to get to where I am now where I feel like I'm really having to put boundaries up on my personal time, family time and work time and it has taken me this long to sort of try and work it out and I forgot to also mention I have a near two-year-old bub so (laughs) she is amazing so she was my my baby after my picnic baby so um when she was born, I basically had decided that I wasn't going to put my business on hold and I was going to keep it running somehow. I look back and think that I would never do that again. That was definitely not the best decision. It was pretty stressful. I I also had obviously um, heaps of support um, with um, my lovely picnic angels, I call them mm-hmm. that helped me out. So they were running events and I was still running things behind the scenes with a newborn breastfeeding. It was pretty hectic. So definitely wouldn't recommend it. But I also at the time was not ready to put it aside or even just uh, even just shut down for a year or, or just put it on the back burner, I really was still just so filled up by the work that I was doing that I needed to still do something for me. So, fast forward on a couple of years, it it has been uh, a massive juggle and I wouldn't have been able to do it without the incredible support team that I have, my partner who also works from home, which is incredible because I've been able to get so much support with mum juggle and also events juggle on the weekend, as well as my mother-in-law, who's incredible. So, I really just Oh, so much, and my my friends. So I'm like, hey, can I just drop Neve off for an hour while I go and do this? You know, they're just incredible. I'm so grateful. But now I've really got to a point where, uh, basically, I just want to work Saturdays. And if any weekday events come up, as they do, I would uh, I just give them to my my girls, my picnic angels, to run. And then Sunday is a family day, so I really am very sacred about having Sundays off.
0: and then prep in the week like say there is an event on Saturday how much time in the week obviously depends on the size I'm sure um do you dedicate to that like is it kind of full days or it just things pop up that you have to kind of fulfill to make sure everything's ready
1: yeah so depending on the event sometimes it might take me all week like in bub sleep time to uh, basically curate the event uh, so it might be trips to spotlight it might be trips to bunning so I might and I might have to do custom signage so I call it my two hours of power so mm-hmm. I'm really yeah. Blessed that my bub is a really good day sleeper, so she'll sleep between two to three hours in the day, and that is my two hours of power, where I'm either doing invoices, emails, podcasts, like chatting to you now, <laughs> uh, and I'm also doing things behind the scenes. Uh, so, and I really just dedicate my Fridays. So she goes to daycare on a Friday, just one day only, and that is my my prep time for doing florals, packing the van getting everything sorted so I'm ready to roll out the door early on a Saturday morning, which is generally the case, especially if we're running multiple multiple events. We might even run up to like four or five events in one weekend on a crazy weekend, which uh-huh. is pretty mental. That might be two vehicles, um, multiple staff sort of running around doing different events because we do go from Brisbane to Byron and even Sunshine Coast.
0: And I'm wondering how does... From when you first started to now as another kind of um, seeing where it's grown, how has your pricing changed? Like how normally when someone launches a business, obviously you kind of, it's all a bit cheaper as you're working out what to price things and kind of where you sit. How has that uh, changed over time and how has your thoughts on it changed over time? Like, did you plan for the change or did a change happen or it's kind of stayed the same?
1: I feel like my pricing has always been competitive. I know that I'm probably more in the middle end, so I'm not the super luxury expensive, but I'm not, like, the cheapest, so I feel like I sit in the middle there. But I also have products that appeal to, like, all markets, so, like, you can come and pick up. uh, I have a whole DIY hire garage, so you can come and pick up stuff from me if you're doing an event on a budget and you might get a beautiful picnic setting still for a couple of hundred bucks. And that's enough to seat all your party and it still looks gorgeous. Um, but I think I've really, over the years, I've really come to value how precious my time is, especially being a mother and a partner. I value family time like anything. Like it, it's just the most precious thing in the world is family time. So I'm really, uh, this is my setup fee. I have like obviously different setup fees depending on the package. Um, but if somebody wants uh, an event on Burley Hill on a Sunday, it's going to cost X amount because A, it's a Sunday, B, it's Burley Hill <laughs> and, and C, that's just what I value my time at because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work still and there's parking and logistics and headaches. So I'm happy to have Sunday off over just undercharging and doing it on the cheap for somebody just for the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've kind of, it's taken me a few years to get to that point. Uh, and then obviously I've got better at quoting and pricing over the years. So I just have, uh, my set rates and then anything outside of that, we can do custom quotes, but I really have just learned to value my time and, and it has a cost associated to it. If somebody wants that from me, then yeah, they, um, there yeah. obviously is, is, a price, so yeah, I guess the, the girls that work for me as well, um, they're really incredible to be able to take on events that I can't do. So yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to have that extra hand when I need it. And how has um,
0: COVID 19 affected your business given that it's in events and um, built around people gathering together to celebrate? um did the cancelling of kind of all events and most people being in quarantine or sorry self lockdown did that highly impact the business did you have to kind of rethink anything like to pivot the business model or um did it just kind of keep going and not not impact you too much
1: yeah so when COVID hit um it was a really Italy on the 1st of June to get married so I had planned a uh, beautiful more elopement style wedding in Italy where we're having 25 guests so that was the first cab off the rank that was kind of like okay not happening and then obviously the business side of things I obviously all events got cancelled we couldn't even do a couples picnic it was pretty gnarly so I I was really blessed that all my bookings, I had quite a lot of bookings sort of in the March, April period that were able to be rescheduled and everyone was really understanding. I just gave everybody 12 months credit. Uh, So it was really, really hard position to be able to refund anybody. So everyone was really supportive about that. And to be honest, it was a little uncomfortable for about a week. And then once I just settled into it and, didn't resist it, I really started to enjoy just having a break mm. and just being a hundred percent present with my family and my daughter and uh not having to worry about packing or prepping or emails. It was actually really lovely and I I, I even say now I need to bring the COVID calm back into my new <laughs> existence because it was just this incredible calmness of not having anything else to do except go for a beach walk because we could yeah, <laughs> we could exercise so slow yeah and I think what I am struggling a bit with now is like I've just been completely bombarded in the last couple of weeks with new bookings and obviously rescheduling because now we can picnic for 20 um, people are starting to plan bigger events for the end of the year weddings like now that we can obviously weddings are back on uh, people are starting to come out of the woodwork so I guess I'm just juggling that now it's more just being absolutely swamped with the demand now is huge
0: yeah. and
1: having a picnic now is probably a more enjoyable experience because even in a restaurant you can only have 20 people and you've got the it's a pain in the ass to get a booking mm-hmm. um you know you can enjoy having a platter down the beach with your nearest and dearest and and you don't have any stress about anything you just turn up and enjoy and hope it doesn't rain <laughs> yeah,
0: that's <laughs> the only thing to worry about
1: <laughs> well thank you
0: so much for chatting to me today Clara it's been so interesting to hear how you've gone uh, how you've built Clara's house and how it's um, morphed over time to be this wonderful, wonderful business. So, thank you so much for sharing your experience.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you having me on here and uh, the fact that, yeah, someone's just as excited as me about hearing about my little picnic uh, baby that just morphed into this incredible thing. So, yeah, thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate it. Of course. And do you have any
0: workshops or any events coming up that you'd like to plug? Or maybe I'll share your website and your Instagram um, as well. But if there's anything else, um, just you can do a shout-out now if you'd like.
1: Oh, well, stay tuned because that's something that's in the pipeline. I haven't actually got anything that's available at the moment, but I am looking at doing some events uh, like just for other event stylists in regards to uh, floral styling and also just how to create um, a creative business. So, yeah, that's really something um, that I'm working on behind the scenes and I'd love to um, move into more of that as, I, as my business grows and evolves, um, yeah, get back into the creative workshops. Great.
0: Well, let me know when um, it's available and I'll make sure I share it with everyone. Thank you so much. Great. Well, thank you so much, Clara. Um, it's been really great talking to you.
1: Okay, thank you. Well, um, look forward to hearing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bye. You can find Clara on Instagram at claras underscore house and on her website, clarashouse.com.au. And that's Clara with a K. Thanks for listening and I'm excited to bring you along to meet some more interesting people who are balancing the art of making art. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thrive and Survive Podcast or check out the website thriveandsurvivepodcast.squarespace.com And that's it for now. You've been listening to Thrive and Survive. See you in the next episode.